what's up guys caleb here with urban connect podcast uh, excited to have you guys joining us today uh here with my good friend and co-host Stephen frankie um great uh family family friend ministry friend um so yeah just excited to be here and uh joining us today we have josh weisbrod who is a pastor um steven why don't you introduce josh for us today yeah, so we met Josh a few years back. Uh, he's the pastor of Banner Church, uh, which is in Old Town Scottsdale. Uh, they have a couple of services, which is really cool. Uh, my family, Nicole and I, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, committed to that church family, and we are so excited. Um, and every week I feel like the, the biblical teaching that comes out of it is speaking directly to our hearts. And um, they have two amazing kids. Uh, which is awesome, a beautiful family. And Josh is working on a degree, I think, in pharmacology. Phar- Pharmaneutics. <laughs> Plant, plan, plantronics? <laughs> I don't know. What are you working on a degree in? Uh, minute, um, so I forgot. He doesn't yeah, even wow. know. Call me off guard. Yeah, probably pharmaneutics, whatever that is. Uh, no, uh, ministry theology. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. It's awesome. Yeah. So I love it. I, I think that speaks a lot about Josh. Um, he has a strong theology background, but God gives him passions for other things like plant life and things like sure. that. And yeah. and um, which is so exciting. So but yeah, excited about today. It's going to be good. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, Josh, why don't you just uh, man tell us about your family? Tell us about uh, just give us a, a kind of a, a quick rundown who you are um and yeah awesome okay um yeah like like steven said my um my family i'm still on the plant thing for some reason (laughs) um (laughs) people are gonna get weird ideas my um, wait let's support like you did say in church on sunday that you are studying something with farming no, it wasn't no. farming. It's no. like you do gardening. Yeah, so. I, I do gardening. I, I do okay. study a lot in like sustainable agriculture. Okay. And one of my like just personal projects of research is um, like think about how we steward uh, the world around us. And like I, I love the metaphor that of, you know, creation and gardening. And so I garden. I, I'm, you know, I'm an OK gardener, but, you know, I've always been a huge fan of people like Wendell Berry and. Like I'm that I'm that guy in the theology program that's getting in trouble for using like Wendell Berry quotes when they want like you know Charles Spurgeon or something. I love Spurgeon, but I'm saying, and uh, so I've always been a huge fan of that. And grow, growing up in Washington, my family always grew food. And then um, one of our big uh, organizations we used to work with in Washington was called Red Barn Community Farm, and they would grow vegetables and produce for the food bank. So we would take groups there constantly, whether to harvest or dig up dirt or or weed and just like really trying to, um, you know, kind of make that connection. So for yeah. me, it's just like, I don't know, it, it, it's a hobby, but also, you know, I find a lot of inspiration from the Lord in that space. Yeah. That's, that's cool. So, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, yeah my family, like, like Stephen said, I have two kids. We, uh, I have, I have a daughter, Lucy, she's six. And then, uh, my son, Henry, we just adopted him this year. Um, so he was legally adopted, like middle of COVID. We got him into our house, um, the, the day I'm going to move this over so I can talk more clearly. We got him into our house, basically like the day that, um, the NBA shut down. I oh, you guys remember wow. that yeah. day. And it was like, we had like had him in our home. He came to visit and, um, you do like, you know, you're supposed to do like these like months of like meeting this kid. And we had him, met him one time. He came over, spent the night at our house. 
And then like the next day, uh, the foster mom, just incredible family. Um, they were like, Hey, do you want to just be here forever? And we're like, okay. And then he came into our house that day, the next day, everything shut down. We're like, this is going to be wild. So we, yeah, it was, it was crazy, but yeah. it's really cool. You know, God has just been so faithful for us, you know, to us. And, um, yeah, we, I have an amazing wife. Uh, she's honestly, um, she's the reason things are so good. If I can be honest, like the reason that, you know, we go out every Thursday night and I just love seeing her, you know, last week she's just going to home. She speaks Spanish. She's just praying for people. And she's like, amazing. I'm, I think that's why the church makes it yeah. <laughs> it's because of her, <laughs> uh, because of her giving. So yeah. Um, yeah. What, what else about me? I mean, I'm from Washington originally. I've been here for four years. Um, and uh, I live in Tempe and yeah, we pastor church in Scottsdale, uh, in, in old town, you know, kind of downtown and yeah, super blessed to, to kind of be a part of that. So yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's cool, man. And that so a lot of people, when they think of church in Scottsdale, yeah. their mind's going to go to different places and pros very prosperous city, of course, but your mission is different. So talk a little bit about what Banner Church is doing for your community there. Yeah just south even of Old Town Scottsdale. Yeah, you know, I think like when people think Old Town, you know, they have like a very specific image in their mind. And, uh, you know, I, I think I really did too. Like I didn't move here to live. Uh, I think we were, I was talking earlier, like I, I didn't move here to live in Scottsdale. And people were like, man, I just don't know about a church in Scottsdale. I'm like, yeah, man, me neither. Like, <laughs> you know, um, I think people have like a really like certain image in their mind of what Scottsdale is like. And I think unfortunately that has been to the detriment of people in need in Scottsdale, because like if your address has a Scottsdale, you know, at the end of it, people think you're fine. When yeah. really like I'm finding people who are going hungry every night in Scottsdale, people who can't pay their bills, people working multiple jobs, people, you know, they, they picture like a very like affluent white person. And there are those people and those people need Jesus. Um, but that's not the only person. And so, you know, the people that I meet with every week, the people whose homes I'm going into, and I can think of like a guy very specifically that we just um, helped pay their rent last Thursday. I went to their home, prayed over their family. He has a daughter who broke their collarbone. We helped cover their medical expenses. Um, and my wife's speaking in Spanish. We have a team and I'm like kind of fumbling through my Spanish and he's giving me grace. So, uh, you know, I know their names and their family and people don't necessarily see that because they're like, oh, Scottsdale. And uh, I mean, and to be fair, like, that's what I thought yeah. until I, like God forced me to minister in Scottsdale because he knew it'd be good for me. Um, but I, if I'm be honest, I didn't really want to. Yeah. I, I wanted to be in Tempe. And when we were up in Scottsdale, I was like, Lord, you better give me a heart for these people. Cause like, I hate polo shirts and like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not that good of a golfer. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, you know, it's much easier for me to like, you know, especially where I lived before I moved here, you know, like where I lived, it was just so different. And mm. so I was like, Lord, you better give me a heart for this. And, and he really did. And, you know, and I think that I've become like an advocate for the, for that part of the city. And everywhere I go, I'm like trying to tell people like, no, listen, like there's huge need here and it's missing a lot of systems. It's missing a lot of infrastructure. It's missing a lot of beneficial uh, programs for people because they see, Oh, Scott's still they're fine. Right? Like we don't have, the, the community centers. We don't have the, um, those places, those resources at this, you know, in bulk because it's like, not only does, is there not an understood need, but like the city, I gotta be careful what I say. Not everybody in the city wants that. 
Yeah. And so yeah. they're making an intentional choice to not have those in the hope that those people go somewhere else. Yeah. And I just like, I, man, that like pulls in my heart. So it like invokes that sense. So we, um, yeah, you know, being in Scottsdale, I think like if you, if someone came with me and drove around Scottsdale, I think they would be surprised. Yeah. Um, you know, about, wow, how much soul, how much heart, how much community there really is, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I think, I mean, man, just hearing you talk and just share your story. I mean, truly like you're living your life going after, you know, the least and the lost and, 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 and a, a whole community or, or group of people that is being overlooked and, and yeah. are, are missing out on some of those resources and, and those kinds of things. And, and importantly, you're taking Jesus to them. Like that's, yeah. I mean, and, 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 uh, maybe an unconventional way, um, where you're entering their home and you're helping them with, with their daily necessities. And, and through that, you get this opportunity to, to share the gospel. That's, that's encouraging to me. Yeah. And I, I think that that's like, I love that everybody's different. And sometimes like, I wondered why God, you know, was, was drawing me to Scottsdale. Like, okay, God, like, why are you drawing me here to someplace that looks so different? And now that I pastor a church, I like celebrate people who are different. Mm -hmm. I'm excited when they come. And I think God felt the same way about my family. Um, not because like, we're anything special. We just made ourselves available. And I think like God celebrates those people who are different. And so like, I, I'm just as comfortable to meet with somebody at a country club as I am to like meet with somebody in, at a tattoo shop or to sit with them at a bus stop. Like, you know, I, when I started in ministry, I started in youth ministry and you know, we didn't have a youth pastor when I, when I was in high school, it was my last year of high school, we didn't have a youth pastor. And so my buddy and I were just like, man, like I didn't even really know what youth ministry is, but I know like my friends need Jesus. And like, I had just really kind of like grasped onto Jesus as my personal savior. And I was like, we need to tell somebody about this. So we had just like these absolute hood, hood kids. Like, please don't etch your name into the side of our, our building. Like we rented our own facility. We, you know, with money I raised, we fed them with money I raised. We, um, we, uh, we, we ran it ourselves. I had to get like adult, you know, people over 18 to like sign off on stuff. So I found like parents of people from the community who would like, I don't know why they gave us permission to do it, but like, you know, that was how I started ministry. So, yeah. you know, in ministry, I've been to probably as many like NA meetings as I've been to conferences, you know, with kids. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've, you know, had kids punch me in the face because they're coming off, you know, a high. And it's like, well, buddy, like, here we go. Like, we're getting <laughs> after it. So I feel like having that experience going into ministry, like I went to the University of Washington for philosophy. I came out of that world of like, in my mind, ministry is people. Mm -hmm. and, in, uh, and I think like, I've had to reconcile, like, how do I also be a part of the large thing that is church as people see it and equip people who are um, financially um, gifted and want to bless the community so that they can bless these people who aren't and kind of like walk out both worlds. Like I was I, mean, like I was joking earlier, like somewhere between like taking everybody between the country club and the strip club. Like that is the ideal church yeah. to me. Yeah, it's like all those people. So, you know, I think like wrestling through you know, how that looks and how that works. But God from the beginning, I think has really called us to be in that space of like being like in a healthy way, uncomfortable and different and unique, and then using your uniqueness to bless the whole body. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So I, I know a lot of people want to know this 
Um, and we know that God's calling in your life, that God called you to be a pastor. But when did you realize that? Was that at an early age? Was it something you aspired to? Or was it something where you felt God got you in a in a headlock and just was like, you're doing this? You have to like, do this. How did it go? He punched you in the face. And <laughs> yes, like, exactly. This is yeah. what you're doing. Wake up. Um, you know, I think like if I think my parents would maybe say, you know, my parents, God saved their marriage and, um, you know, really saved my dad's life and got him back together. And, um, you know, we went to church and I think from the beginning, people had like spoken into my life, those kind of things. But you don't come from like a church context. People are like, you're called to ministry. I'm like, okay, cool. That sounds very affirming. I'm a words of affirmation person. Someone's like, you got a purpose. I'm like, oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> like, yeah. that's how I receive love. It's just like people <laughs> saying nice things to me. Um, but, uh, so I, I loved that when I was a kid, but if I'm being honest, I had like no idea what that meant, like absolutely none. And so I was like, yeah, that sounds cool, man. And, uh, God was working in my life, but you know, I, I ran that youth ministry, like I told you about. And then like, I, they hired somebody to do, to run the youth ministry that I had built from scratch, which is like such a church thing to do yeah. because like, I didn't look like the guy they wanted. Right. Like, um, I know people can probably see it through this video, but like, this is what I've looked like, like my whole life, except for a beard. And so then, and now I feel like a lot of pastors don't look like that. So it's a little different now. I feel like, you know, people, yeah. are, people are a little more unique, but at the time you had to have like, everybody had the same undercut and like the same jeans, you know, everybody looked the same. So, uh, they hired someone and I was like, done. I was like, I, I'm not going to do this. Like I, I love the Lord. I want to build the church. So I started working, going to school at the university of Washington for architecture. Cause I love to draw. And I was like, you know what? I'll help design churches. Like that's how I'm going to build the kingdom. And I got a job at a place at an architectural firm, yeah. uh, making more money than I've ever made in my life, probably still <laughs> and, uh, helping design churches. And, uh, and I was like, this is how I'm going to help. And it was like over the course of that season, God showed me like that just, that was not true. And those people were really building the kingdom, but that like was so not my place. And so I was like, okay, like where, uh, where, ha where is God calling me? And I've just like always been open to, to that where he's calling me. And I, I love so many things. I love music and I love art and I, and I love building. And I would just like go anywhere and do anything and be happy. Honestly, at the end of the day, like if today God called me to you know, New Zealand, I'd be like, let's find a way to make this rad. You know, like, that's just how it works. So, you know, I never really felt like in that season, this deep like moment where God like descended like a dove upon me and, you know, said, this is my son who will be a youth minister. But I, I just started doing what God had called me to do. And as I was like, I started leading worship and helping in youth. And as I was doing that, um, it just became so apparent as I was reading scripture and as people were meeting with me and as I was praying, like God just leading in such a clear way that this isn't just a calling, you know, like everybody's called and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Like this is, um, this is like a vocational, vocational calling. And I got enough wise people around me that actually took the time to care about me and to care enough to let me ask hard questions and let me wrestle with them without putting their own intents on how like they wanted to use me for ministry, but just let me ask. And it was like, wow, this is like so clearly, uh, you know, God's call for my life. Um, and then, yeah, I just stepped into it and then it went really well. So I was yeah. like, let's do this. Like, it was great. It was really hard. You know, it's been 12 years. I'm doing full-time ministry, but it was great. I loved it. Like the moment I jumped in, like, you know, I, I, I love ministry. And so it's always just kind of been a journey in my life. I think 
that calling to ministry was an easier process than trying to figure out who I am as a minister and what does the ministry God's called me to steward look like. I feel like the first part took a year. I feel like I'm still doing the second part. I'm still trying to figure out like, who am I as a minister? Are these things giftings for ministry? Are they hobbies? Are they descriptive of how God has gifted me? Or are they just side things? And I think that's been the most like wrestling. How much of me do I show? How much of me do I hold? How much of me do I put into the ministry? How, you know, I think that's been, that's the most wrestling is like, my values as a minister and who I am and leading the community and where and all those kind of things. If, if that makes sense. I, I hope that's making sense. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think part of the intrigue for me, like even Caleb and Stephanie came a couple of weeks ago to the church service and we're having like just inviting friends over. And I, I get this picture of like Spud Webb. Remember Spud Webb? Basketball player, <laughs> yes. five foot six, yes. something yes. like that. Yeah. Josh is taller than that. I know. I yeah. know. Yeah. Let me explain. <laughs> I'm uh, at least at least five eight. Yeah. Five <laughs> eleven. I tell people I'm five eleven. Because I can't tell him I'm if six you, feet. I'm not like six put feet. Your hat up a little yeah. Taller, that's right. I, that's why I wear a really tall right. cowboy hat. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. So all five <laughs> six, all right, of Spud Webb dunking on Patrick Ewing. Like yes. I feel yeah. like it's that kind of feeling. It's like nobody's going to expect, you know, yeah. what's going to come from this pulpit, from yeah. this minister. I mean, yeah. which is really, really cool. Um, a lot of times people come in and either you got somebody dressed in, you know, a really nice suit or seven jeans, right? I mean, it's like one <laughs> yeah. of those things you feel seven like these jeans, days. Yeah. yeah, seven for mankind jeans. Um, but with you, I, there's just something about it. But we talked about it right beforehand. It's the Holy Spirit. I mean, yeah. you really can't take credit for that. I mean, no. it's you're so dependent on him. And it's delivered in every Sunday morning when you get up there, which is really powerful. So I, I think I yeah. always like apologized for, and I think a lot of ministers do this, whether they feel like they fit or not, they like apologize for their weaknesses. They hope nobody notices them. They feel like, I, I mean, I, I'm raising up all these young leaders and they're telling me like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not gifted to this. And sometimes that is really a signal of like where you're called. And sometimes it's like, it's actually kind of really beneficial for you as someone leading a ministry. Like we talked about this with like um, finding toys, you know, for the event. It's like, I didn't, I didn't worry at all. And I felt super unequipped to get them. But like, that's just ministry for me. It's like praising God and then like not being able to take credit. <laughs> like, and I know myself, I know I'm thankful that I do not feel like I have the natural charismatic leadership giftings that someone in my role should feel, because then I know if I'm being honest, I know I would take credit for it, mm. but yeah. I literally can't, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the last name. I don't have the degree, <laughs> literally the degree. Yeah. Like I don't have anything that says like this person deserves this. Mm. It's like, I have this building. I don't deserve this building. Like yeah. we have this location. I have these team members that follow me and I'm like, man, praise the Lord for these people. Cause like, I am not a leadership guru and I'm not, no, I have qualities and stuff like that. But like, I praise God like for this, because then at the end of the day, it's like some of my greatest heroes of faith have talked about that about like, even like Charles Spurgeon had joked earlier, like he talks about wrestling with anxiety and depression and saying like, I've learned to kiss the waves that toss, you know, throws me against the rock of ages. And I love that. It's, yeah you live in that space of praising God uh, for how um, he's constantly needed in your life. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, this is the Holy Spirit. You know, Christmas in Tonalea, Christmas in Scottsdale, yeah. that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like, I'm just like there. So I'm just like, just being faithful, do, 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 like, yeah. just trudging along, you know? Yeah. Like, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I love that. 
No, I, was just, I think that's a, kind of a, a perfect segue into kind of – I remember the first time I met you or, or heard of Josh Wisebrod, I um, was Christmas in Garfield, a, a, an event that Stephen yeah. and Nicole put on, um, and it was probably 2019. Was that your first year of being involved? I think it was 2018. 2018? Because yeah. we've done ours, because I think I came once or twice. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then I, we've done it twice. Now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been four years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's I, crazy. What yeah. I was gonna say was like I really remember, and I've seen you from a, a distance, I guess, yeah. kind of leading and and hearing bits and pieces of your story here and there, and just what you guys are doing over there in South Scottsdale, and um, it's always been this humble leader that is just getting down into the trenches, and you know what we kind of. Uh, call a boots on the ground leader that's that's not afraid to get in there and get in the mess and the thick of things and um you know i remember uh sitting around with you and a a group of other pastors and and steven was was giving you guys the charge he was inspiring you guys to go and and take this christmas event for the neighborhood into your neighborhood and and i remember you're like man i just want to learn more and yeah. I just want to learn more and I want to see more of how it's done. But it was that next year that I think you guys launched your Christmas yeah, event. So, yeah. yeah. And so, um, maybe I'll, Steven, you want to share a little bit about how that has come about and, and, and yeah. Yeah. It's definitely encouraging. I mean, when you think about it and that was something, I mean, we joke about it now, but I was literally like, Hey, thanks for being faithful. And giving us gifts every single year, sending volunteers down to central Phoenix. But the pitch was, we don't want your help anymore down here. Like we really would love you to do this in your neighborhood and and really casting this vision. What if we had 10 of these around the city where it's impacting a thousand kids per site, 10,000 kids uh, that not only get a toy, but hear the gospel in that Mm -hmm. too. And I thought it was compelling. I think sometimes yeah. that's, that's a serious fault of mine where you're just like, man, who's not going to catch this and just yeah. run with it. <laughs> and out of 10 people that are there, you know, eight people had different plans, you know, or God, God's, I'm sure, doing other things, obviously, totally. in their yeah. ministry. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, just seeing that. And then next year, you're doing it. You're doing it at Banner Church. You have everybody come out. You collect a ridiculous amount of toys for how many people that were attending your church. Yeah, uh, other <laughs> churches are four or five times the size that we're giving a fraction of that. So, I mean, yeah. the generosity of the body, I think, was just amazing. But um, I, I would love to know just a little bit more, especially this last year, because things changed with COVID. Like, yeah. how did it go? I mean, it's been good. I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, it's a lot because I, I think like, man, it's almost like when you look back on it, it makes a lot more sense. And it's very, it's a lot more clear. Like I look back at now and I can like see the story arc of how it goes. But at the time I was just like, so desperately did not just want to turn the crank on church that I was like anything like, Lord, bring me something mm-hmm. so that I just don't feel like another guy having Sunday services. Yeah. And, uh, that's a, that kind of like healthy dissatisfaction is probably part of my personality. And sometimes I have to learn to be careful with that. Cause I think it scares people who are like really stable that I'm like, you know, like I walk in here, I'm just thinking like, Oh my gosh, like what could God do? And then I like tell people that and they think I have like weird intentions, but it's just like, I hope to be like some small cog in the great machine that is the kingdom of God. And like, that's my aspiration is like, you know, kingdom development. And yeah, so we, you know, we heard about United Phoenix and we came and you know, I had always done stuff with a, you know, I worked at a large multi-site church. And when you look, look at 
or when you work at a large multi-site church, I think there's a lot of really good benefits. And I think there's some areas that now having it, it's informed a little bit of my perspective on how we actually engage as community. And I, I think large churches play their cards really close to the chest because they've been burned a lot. And so they're a little less apt to engage community partners because they understand like this wrestling for power. And so there's a struggle, there's a tension. I talked to uh, Giovanni at the East Valley Dream Center, who's a super cool guy. I mean, you guys would love, love him. I'll, I'll have him reach out to you. But um, if he listens to this, shout out to Giovanni. <laughs> um, uh, same kind of thing, talking about trying to partner with churches. And so I was just kind of the mindset of like, I, I admittedly like had no idea. And I knew in my context, but every city's different. And so uh, Christina uh, from our church is like, hey, you got to come to this thing. You got to check it out. And she probably told me three or four times. And I was like, okay, we have to go to this. And then I think we came to one Unite Phoenix thing, and then and then we came to Christmas in Garfield, and I was like, "Oh, this is so cool!" Like, mm-hmm. and what really sold it for me is my wife preached in Spanish, and like, my wife has really come into her into her own as like a minister, and and really seeing herself in that way, and in the context we were at, I think is supportive of the idea of women in ministry, but maybe not as equipping of women ministers. And so like seeing her flourish, like she led people to the Lord in Spanish. And I was like, I will die for this. Like, <laughs> I was like so fired up, you know, like, let's yeah. just sell the building. I don't care about, you know, it's like, I get so fired up for my family. I'm like, I'm like pointing my daughter. I'm like, look at your mom. You know, she's yeah. crushing it. Um, so then when we met together, I was like, kind of like, oh man, if I'm being totally honest, like I know it was very inspiring, but my kind of two thoughts when we met together to talk about Unite Phoenix was like first was like oh man like i kind of i kind of like love you doing it (laughs) you know like because like you're so good at it and i was thinking my brain like there's no way like i'm gonna out here i'm gonna be out here in scottsdale like doing what the great Stephen for just like bounce houses guys are like slinging hot dogs i don't know what you had like live tigers it's like everything's amazing and tiger king yeah (laughs) the original tiger king (laughs) he's like no (laughs) Um, so I, uh, I was like, man, how am I going to do that? And then the other side, like if one of the strongest motivators for me to do it was like, you know, everyone's perspective on Scottsdale of like, I kind of felt being honest, like, why is the Scottsdale guy here? You know what I mean? Like what, what does Scottsdale have? Like you can, don't take, like, y'all got enough money. Don't take our money. Like we need it for our part of the city. Like, yeah. you know, a good friend of mine was pastoring in Glendale. He was still giving me, you know giving me you know harsh for it i'm trying to think like good words <laughs> on the podcast um, uh, we don't have yeah. a beeper well, yeah no church <laughs> words uh, one of those. so <laughs> i like felt like a little indignant i was like you know what like i'm gonna flip and do this and uh i'm you know th- that's why not a healthy motivator in all things but i was like let's do it and so um you know we i think we kind of stepped back and had that evaluation of like man if we're gone from this city everyone's like you're building so amazing you're building so amazing i'm like yeah but if we shut down like would literally anybody care with anybody in this city? And the answer was like unequivocally no, unequivocally no. And I was like, there were people who would miss us and people who I'm individually working in their lives. But like, would the community at large um, be missing a piece of their functioning joy and life and hope? Like, I, pro- probably not. And so I was like, okay, we need to do this. And so yeah, we just did it and 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 i was like hey man like how do i how do i get toys and then like our church i think what has been so cool to see and what i would encourage people is um 
sometimes like God puts a church in an area to be a bridge. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you don't build a ship while you're on the water, right? You, you build it on the shore. And so you need shipbuilders and you need sailors. And so, so, so often we try to build ships like on the water and with sailors. And then like, we look at the shipbuilders, we're like, oh, they have it so easy. Oh, everything's so easy for them. It's like, or you could get both people to do it together. And as a captain, you can bridge that space and say, okay, I have wealthy people in Scottsdale, some. I have young professionals who have time and a lot of them are single. And so they're like, give me something to do. So I don't think about the fact that I don't have a girlfriend right now. And then I had people who are in deep need. I'm like, perfect, let me just bridge that all day. It's like, mm -hmm. let me make connections. Let me take like the fact that you just sold like a house that's worth more than money than I will ever make. And let's just put that into growing the kingdom of God. And so that's kind of how we started. That's why like at the time, I think we had, I mean, COVID's been a little weird, but at the time we had like 200 people on a Sunday. I think we collected for our first event, 1100 toys. Wow. That's, so yeah, that's amazing. It's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think like for us, that was a big step. And then, you know, kind of doing it ourselves was in that same mode of like people, man, they just, they, they follow the vision for community of like, you know, what could we do? And so we just tried it, you know, and uh, COVID was a little different. We had like a drive up. So we have how we did it is, um, and the school was awesome. Um, Dave, the, the principal at Tonalea is just really, really fantastic. And um, our, our people there are just so cool. And so they, we had a drive up and they would, the parents would drop them off or if they walked, you know, we had like a line, they would go through and we had um, all our kind of, all our team helping the kids go through. And then while they did that, they would pull forward or they walk forward. And we had our team, predominantly Spanish speakers that would just talk with them and say, Hey, how are you doing? Like, Hey, you yeah. know, um, um, I, one of the questions people ask is like, Hey, like, are you hopeful this season? Are you anxious this season? Are you peaceful this season? You know, how are you feeling like right now? And we had a lot of people just like break down and be like, man, I, you know, we had a gal say, my husband was deported last year. And three months ago, like went off the grid, haven't heard from him um, and just devastated. And so we had the chance to like pray with them and, and encourage them and just story after story after story. So it was different, but we spent a lot of time ministering to the parents this year versus I feel like normally we're ministering straight to the kids. And so we had like tons of one-on-one -on -one time because they were stuck. They couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't leave without yeah. their kids. And so we're there with our, you know, our masks and all that stuff and just giving out coffee and ministering. And so it was really cool. We gave out. Um, we gave out 700 toys there. And then I met up with the guys from the East Valley Dream Center. And I was like, hey, you guys doing a toy thing? Like, yeah, we're gonna go buy them. I was like, no, nah, man, don't go buy anything. Like, like here, so I think we gave them 400 toys. Wow. And so we're like, it's just great. We're like, let's just keep sending it down. Cause there was a year y'all gave us like, I think it was like literally the day before our event, you gave us like 400 toys and it saved us. And um, so we're like, let's just keep that going. And my hope is, you know, I tell everybody like, yeah, same thing, you can do this. Like, if I can do this, you can definitely do this. Like I, there was nobody probably that, that possesses some quality that is so grand, you know, like so lacking or lack some quality. They can't do this. It's so possible. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's great to see your church, your community come around and, and support and carry on that vision and, and, and run with it and, and excited for what the future holds for you guys. And, and what a great way to get into the community and, you know, it's a, it's a time of year that everybody loves. Um, and I think I'm more excited about the opportunity that you guys had to like spend that one-on-one -on -one time with 
the parents awesome. then give those kids the toys. Obviously, the kids love it and it's a, it's great, but man, that interaction and just because because who knows? Most of those parents probably didn't have somebody listening to them for the last year. You know, all of us three sitting here, we're dads and and kids are in school and we're trying to to lead our families and we're trying to make sure our kids are in school and, and doing all that stuff. And, and if I'm honest, you know, I don't have that many people asking me, Hey, you doing okay? You doing all right? Are you hopeful for this year? Yeah. Because we're the ones like, and, and so for you guys to be there for those parents and, and what has been truly a challenging year has mm-hmm. to be, you know, something that they're extremely grateful for. And, and, mm-hmm. and who knows the testimony that's going to come out more yeah. of, of those interactions and and that's great yeah we something you know we launched this year that i think made the christmas thing so important is our love the block um that we do and i met with the guy i met with giovanni and i was just like really praying through some stuff about who we are especially when church shut down it was just it was so good for me like i don't know it was such a hard season in general but on, i think it might have saved ministry for me a little bit because i i've been lead pastor for two years and i was like this is it for the rest. This is it for the rest of my life. Hmm. Like I'm 34. This is what I'm gonna do for like, let's say I retire when I'm 68. <laughs> so next 34 years, I'm gonna do this every Sunday. I'm gonna show up. I have to come with like a topic to preach, and that's the totality of my existence. And I was like, oh, I super hate that. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I don't want that to be like that's a summation of like your dad showed up every week, which is good. I think showing up is good. Um, and, and I'm not knocking that. Yeah. There are people who are just such gifted, faithful communicators. I, um, I love theology and I love study and I love communicating. Uh, but I was like, I, I was just like, I don't know. I'm maybe not annoyed is the right version, but I'm like, I was like, man, like, am I about to retire right now? Like today mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I know 35 years from now, but like, am I like, reti- like, this is what I've like commissioned it. Like, this is our vision. And so I met with uh, Giovanni and I was like, man, I, I need to do something. You know, it was a lot of unrest, a lot of racial unrest. And I was like, man, like, like I, you know, I, I have like such a small world. And I used to have such a broad world. And I was like, I, I need to broaden my world. I need to meet with people. And he was basically just like, yeah, man, I mean, that's great. Like you can do it with an event, but like, unless you hang out with somebody every week, it's not going to matter. And I was like, you're right. And so I was like day one, you know, it was still COVID. We had the masks and the gloves. We, every Thursday at six o'clock, like I'm on that street. And I, and I had to like understand scope. I, I think too big. And so I was like, I got to understand scope. I can do a block. Mm-hmm. It's, it's row houses. So there's four units, there's eight, you know, on every side, you know, so I, you it, it adds up pretty good, you know, for eight, 32 on each side, 64. And then there's like, you know, eight kids in every house and, uh, 80% speak Spanish. And I was like, I can live this block. I'll be here every Thursday. And I know there's other blocks and I know there's other people who need it, but like, this is what I can do. And so I got this young guy that I'm training up to take this block. So I can go to the next one. Mm-hmm. And that was cool at our, uh, Christmas at Tonalea because like I'm seeing dads that I know and my kids I take my kids because like I really resent the idea like this is an unsafe neighborhood you know like white people they go to a neighborhood full of Hispanic speaking people that the houses look different and I think it's unsafe and it, that can be so but you know like last night like I live in an okay neighborhood uh, there was gunshots in my neighborhood right yeah. so it's like if I brought my kids to that neighborhood and there was gunshots like how would I feel this I mean I felt a little uneasy, but it was just this mindset of like, you know, again, there's no gunshots when we go out and serve. But again, this is perspective of like, um, you know, 
of like, I bring my kids and they know those kids and they, um, they, they talk and they play on the same swings. And, and, you know, my son is Hispanic. And so I want him to see white people and Hispanic people hanging out together. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's, that's super important for me. Um, and, and so when we did the event, you know, I'm seeing like, you know, a, a good friend of mine, who's the first house on the corner, six, six, one, six. Um, and, uh, I don't know if you'd listen to it, so I won't say his name, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, like I get, I know his daughter. I know her by name. I picture her. I prayed for her at the event. My team prayed for her. And so seeing his kids and then talking to him that Thursday and be like, yo guys, like, how was it? Like, it was awesome. And then he's like, you know what? Like my neighbor, you know, they have four kids. They couldn't come. Like, do you guys have anything? I'm like, yeah, awesome. So I'm like, yo, Hey, one, two, these guys from my church, go bring so-and-so and his family, these toys. And so like for us, it became like this overflow of ministry. Yeah. And so it went from being like an entry point to like an expression, like how Sunday should be like Sunday service should be an expression of the unity of community. Not the only time you have community. So you'd have, should have small groups, people living life meeting together. Same thing. I felt like with us for Christmas, just how our city's built Christmas in Scottsdale should be an overflow, should be a way to dial more in of what we're doing week to week to week to week. So yeah. we do once a month, we do like, uh, and then we do every week. And so my goal this year is to have four nights a week. And my goal eventually, well, I mean, I, I have big goals, but let's just say in the scope of what I deem doable in the next couple of years, I'd love to have every night a week, our churches in our city, loving on a block intimately, like intimately caring, praying yeah. for people. And I, and I, I trust that God, God has honored that. Yeah. I don't, I don't do, and we do some marketing, but we don't do these like big marketing things. My marketing is like people's lives are changed when they start caring for somebody else. And they tell people about that. Hey man, what are you doing tonight? Want to go grab a drink? I'm like, yeah, man, after I go to love the block, people are like, wait, what are you doing? You know, they, you know, like someone in my group, like, Hey, my buddy, you know, Kevin's going to come. He's going to come to love the block and check it out. Like, yeah, man, bring them all. We'll give them a shirt. You know, <laughs> let them love on some people. Like as long as I don't swear anybody or picking fights, we're good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Man, that's cool. That's man. I, that's encouraging to me to to hear. I mean, that's you're talking my language, Stevens. Like, like yeah. that's that's who we are. That's what we're about. And and just getting in the neighborhood and and knowing the people around us. And um, it's funny you bring up uh, taking pe- taking your family into uh, you know a neighborhood that we deem too violent. I mean, Stephen moved from Gilbert to downtown Phoenix. I moved from the Midwest to downtown Phoenix. And, and, um, I remember for us, we came to this point where like, where are we going to send our kids to school? Like, what are we mm. going to do? Are we going to send them to the neighborhood school? Or are we going to try to get them into the private school? Like what's going to happen? And, and I was like, man, I, th- I think we should probably push towards private because public school might be a little too crazy. And I remember having a conversation with my cousin mm. and he's like, if we can trust God to, and, and him and his wife served uh, an organization over in Africa. And it's like, if we can trust God to take our family to a place like Africa or, you know, go overseas and, and live in a completely different environment. And how can we not trust him with our kids going here? How can we not trust him to do this or take us to this place and protect us? And, hmm. and man, when you really, yeah, from the outside looking in, when you really get to dive into the neighborhood and you get to see what makes that neighborhood the neighborhood you know we're in garfield right now when you really get to the inner core of garfield and you see what makes garfield garfield it's beautiful you know from the outside looking in it may look rough it may look a little sketch it may look a little scary but the reality is you get to know your neighbors you get to know those people that are down the street you know great things happen and transformation takes place It's, it's a really beautiful thing 
And I, I think like just picking, I guess I would say on that because I think people are so different and being a father is so different. I don't want to be like jumping ahead or taking up too much time. I don't no, know like what I think is, but um, I think like I've been learning like to pick the battle that I want to fight. I've been wrestling with that with my kid for school. She goes to school in, in, uh, in Scottsdale and, um, I like her school. I don't like love her school. It's, and so I'm learning what's best for her because mm-hmm. the end of the day, my responsibility is that she serves the Lord. It doesn't do me any good to win this neighborhood and lose my daughter for sure. And so there's ways that I can strategically be involved in that process with her, but also be safe. Cause mm-hmm. it's funny. Like I, I went the other route, you know, I came from a city where like where I live, my neighbor's house get broken in all the time. You know, I have, people running from the cops through my backyard. There's a crack house on my street. Like, and then I moved, I came to Scottsdale. So it's weird for me going the other way because like, I think I, I'm trying to figure out what are the areas I can take risks and what are the areas, and I'm trusting the Lord and what are the areas that I need to be very vigilant for my family Yeah, and, and get the win where I can. So like my wife are in that same boat of like, how, you know, what do we do with our kids for our school? You know, how do we balance that? Where do we, you know, give clarity? And then allowing those choices to inform our heart as we meet with other parents who are also wrestling with that and ha- having those conversations with parents. Hey, how, how do you feel about the school in your neighborhood? Like, what can we advocate for for you, you know, for mm-hmm. the school? Like, how do we advocate for funding for this? And I think you're spot on, like having that time in the neighborhood. I think I'm like just dipping my toe in. I constantly feel like an, an outsider. Um, which used to kind of bum me out, but I think it's kind of informed my perspective a little bit because I'm realizing the people that are in what I consider our neighborhood, even though I don't live in that specific block, um, our neighborhood, um, they feel outside all the time and they're wrestling through these very same questions, maybe from different sides, but mm-hmm. they're also wrestling. Where do we go? Like people are buying up these properties. Are we going to get pushed out? Are we going to be able to afford it? Where's our kids going to go to school? How are they going to go to school? And I used to like have those conversations internally. I felt like as a pastor, I should like know the answer to this, but I've like built such good relationships with people just having that conversation with people in the neighborhood. Yeah. Cause I think I'm sure it's the same thing. Like we talked about Garfield. I'm sure that's the same conversation everybody here is having. Yeah. Where does my, what, what do I do with my kids? And, and I, I love that. I think like, everything I do should be ordered out of a center of, of Christ likeness and, and from him. And so like my kid's school, the grocery store I go to, the things I'm thinking about, the questions about how I drive questions about like uh, sustainability. Like I have huge, huge questions about that. How do we support sustainability in urban environments or people who are do, do not have the financial means? Cause like, I don't have the financial means, <laughs> like, you know, so it's, you know, how, how we, how we balance that, you know, I think having those conversations with people, is is a great way to build to be like oh dang like you go to bed worrying about the same stuff i do and have yeah. to like trust the lord like i felt so many friends like that like oh man like you you think about this too you think about it? it's like yes yeah, yeah man it doesn't matter like what color our skin is or what language you speak like we all are like worried about our kids yeah. you know and, and trying to trust the lord like you're saying like it doesn't matter if you're going to africa or you're going to roosevelt like we're like man what do yeah. we do with these kids <laughs> yeah 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 so josh with love the block, uh, we have a lot of pastors that I think are going to be watching this. Maybe even other ministry leaders oh, that are I watching it. Up. <laughs> I should have just, yeah, me too. Um, uh, but 
I think one of the things that just from the conversation that may be on their mind is how did you motivate your people to do this? You said it's a weekly event for Love the Block, which is a really big deal. And it's not so much Love the Block, but for another pastor, if they're wanting to do a pancake breakfast, you know, on a regular basis, or maybe they want to open up their church and have like a clothing center or whatever it is for those in need. They could be looking at different areas of social justice, but there's a couple of things that aren't very common that your church is doing. One, mm-hmm. you're mobilizing quite a few people to do this work. Yeah. And secondly, you're doing it often. A lot of churches are satisfied with a once a quarter type serve event. So yeah. how did that come about? Like what what's going on at Banner that might be different for other churches and, and what can pastors do to, to help propel that forward? Yeah, um, we launch our like traditional, like what people would put in those like fringe ministry categories, like outreach, men's, women's, youth, young adults. We do all that through small groups. So there's built, A, my, my small group director is amazing. And if any pastor wants to meet with her, she she's literally the best. She's a volunteer and she's one of the most amazing people. Um, you know, she's the aunt to, to, my, to my daughter and her husband is the uncle, you know, to my, to my kids. So, you know, um, our spiritual, you know, family. Um, so we do everything through small groups. So that was a really easy start for me because we had the infrastructure of small groups. So I just made it a small group. Hmm. Um, I'm like, this is a small group. And I, I can get 10 people to sign up. And so that was the thing. It was like, we had that structure of like small groups um, rather than like starting a men's ministry by doing a men's breakfast once a month. We, our men's ministry, our men's groups that meet and then split off and then grow and then split off. So we're doing the same thing with, with outreach, understanding that things are going to apply to different people. Um, I'm not offended if it's not for somebody. And so same thing with men's, like (laughs) some people, men's is right. Some people, young adults is right. And we have to learn as Christians that not everything is right for everybody. Everybody is called to the mission, but people are going to play different roles. Mm -hmm. And like, we, we talk abundantly about that, about how we equip people for each role. And then the other side of it is like, I talk about it every week, all the time. It isn't, I mean, culture is made by the heroes you make, the stories you tell, right? The things you celebrate. Yeah. And so I, you guys have been to our church a couple of times now. Like every week you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear about it to the day I die. And it's like every, until we rename it or do something <laughs> else, right? And so yeah. we just tell story after story after story. So the first group, people are like, all right, let's feel it out. But the first time I told a story of like, we prayed for this person who had four strokes. We prayed God over them. I'm, I'm sharing pictures. I'm like trying to really subtly snap that shot so I don't get their face. It's like one of my team's head has to be blocking them, right? <laughs> and next week, five more people. And it's like, I mean, honestly, like everything follows vision. But like we think vision, we think like tell people what you're going to do. Like to me, vision is like, tell people like how you're doing what you're going to do. And so for us, like we just said, Hey, a, it's a small group. So that helps. It's in the structure of small groups. We're a church of small groups, not with small groups. So for us, that's big. Um, we're a church that we don't just do small groups. Like we, we, we are small groups. Everybody has a group of people they get together with. And so, um, like we have, our goal is to have hundred percent of attendance being small groups. So we have 111 signups for small groups. And on Sunday right now we average about um, like 125 adults. So we're getting back up to where we were pre COVID, you know, so we're at like maybe 50% in adults, but our goal is to have hundred percent of Sunday attendance also in small groups. That makes it a lot easier. Um, wow. and I think it's just favor of the Lord. I mean, honestly, like the reality is, um, I, you have to, as a founder, you have to embody something before you see it embodied with others. So I couldn't have given this ministry to someone else 
I had to be there and being there with my kids every week, I think was a big thing. I'm gonna take my whole family every week for 13 weeks and then I'm gonna do it again for 13 weeks. And then I think that attitude, um, again, it's not that hard. If I'm gonna be totally honest, it's really not that hard to care for people. Mm-hmm. Like during COVID, you'd have people, hey, if you're at the grocery store and you see toilet paper, buy it, mm-hmm. bring it to us, we'll give it to people. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like. I think it's like, what, it's like $100 of toilet paper can buy like an endless amount of toilet paper. But at the time, like having that opportunity to, to give that every week, it engaged people. Hey, you're stuck at home, buy it on Amazon, ship it to us. Well, it won't get there for a month. Great. Then we'll have it a month from now. Right. right? Like who cares? Just engaging everybody at every level and then casting vision. Hey, if you're joining us online today, like, cause I, I know they can't be here in person. Like you, you are a part of this. Here's how you're a part. Here's how what you did matter. Here's how you gave. Here's mm-hmm. how it was that like, it's everything for us. So like, if you come to our church, it would be undeniable that love the block is our DNA. And that, that's the question for me. Like, do pastors want to do it because they feel guilty not reaching certain people in their neighborhood and they don't want to go to the pastor conference and be guilted anymore? Or is it a fire? <laughs> Like, is it burning? Like, is it within you? Like I sat down with some people and they literally showed up, told me, and I was like, I feel like the churches that do not do this will not be around in 10 years. Hmm. I don't think we're going to have the same tax status. I don't think we're going to have the same um, availabilities. I don't think we're going to have the same cultural pull. Like being a pastor is not uh, some, you know, sexy, flashy title in communities. It's kind of a negative now. It doesn't, sometimes it doesn't help me. Um, So for me, it's like, if that fire is burning in you, and it's just week after week after week after week after week, we start our staff meetings, who's got a story? Who's got a story? And we just tell it over and over. We have a great uh, coach through this thing called Church Boom. His name's uh, Chris Songson. And um, that was his big thing, man, tell stories. So small groups, uh, storytelling. Um, and, you know, I just think being patient, not being easily discouraged is big. I'm sure you guys know that. Like, oh, hmm. uh, you know what? Like, and like really speaking of the positive, like we had, uh, even starting this quarter, like you think like first quarter, we nailed it. Right. Uh, just, you know, missions are giving away thousands upon thousands of dollars constantly love the block giving, you know, we'd mentioned, Hey, I need this. Someone give $5,000, give it right out the door the next day to like the community, like just pumping it out. Right. You would think we'd show up for the next semester, January, January 10th. People were like, let's go. Like love the block. Four people showed up. Oh man. And so I got up the next day and I was like, y'all, like, here's the mission. Like, here's what it is. Like, this is a reality. And guess what? I'm going to be there next week. And if you don't show up, I'm still going to be there. And people were kind of like, yeah, that's, ah, man, you know, it got away from me. I was traveling. Like, yeah, you're right, man. This is what it's about. And then the next week we had 12, you know, this last week we went out, we had uh, three native Spanish speakers, or three Spanish speakers, one native Spanish speaker, but three Spanish speaking people, you know, for our our block. We had all these people show up. We got people who like just gave their life to the Lord show up. And so it's just like not, sometimes I go home after those. I don't know about you. And I'm like, tell my wife, like, man, I'm an idiot. Like, no one's going to follow me. Like, look at me, man. Like, shouldn't have done my hair like this. Like, people think I'm so stupid. Like, you know, you go home and you're just like in this pity party. And my wife just looks at me. She's like, man, stop it. She's like, literally stop, stop. She told me there. She's like, stop whining. I'm so tired of hearing, you know, and I, she, I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like, you're right. Hey, God's so good. And you know, I begin to see our team embody it. Like our kids pastors like, you know what? I was going to go home, but I'm going to stay and come to love the block. 
And, you know, then we had like, I think we had like 12 or 14 people here this last week, wow. just out there. Um, our small group director doing the stuff for, you know, with Unite Phoenix. And she's like fired up about it. Yeah. My men's ministry called me like, we want to do the pizza thing for you. We'll pick them all up for you. We'll come. We're going to bring 10 guys. We'll bring them there. And like, we're going to help give them out. We're going to have 24 people this week handing out pizzas. Wow. So that means everybody can go to, we almost have a group of people for every house. Like go to that house, minister to their life. Don't mm. just give them pizza, minister. And so if I had gotten discouraged on the four people and been like, man, this is stupid and got in front of the church and was like, what the heck guys? You know, like yeah. it would have gone nowhere. But I think having the, having the mindset of like, man, don't, don't get discouraged. Like this is not the wavelength of our culture. This it's just not how we're wired. It's yeah. not how we're wired to like, like we do something once we're like, we did it. We cared for poor people. Like, did you see, like, did you see how poor that person was? Like, look, and I cared for them. Look, like, like you take a photo, like, look, I know a minority, right? Like, like we're just like so proud of ourselves for like anything that like breaks out of our like suburban whiteness. And like, and then like, we forget that like, those are people just like, we're people, everyone's yeah. a person. And like, like you got to come next week. Yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know them. You gotta know when graduation's coming up. I and mean, mm -hmm. I gotta ask, you know, like there's a young guy in my, in my neighborhood, I ask Brian, man, like, Hey man, like how you feeling about graduation? Like how you feeling about what's coming up at the end of this year? Like, are you prepared? Hey man, do you have your book? Do you have your books? Like, how are you doing? And it's yeah. like, he's not going to tell me on a week one, I'm going to get the same 16, 17 year old answer I get from every girl. Like, well, fun. <laughs> but like, I'm on week yeah. 21 now. And he's like, he's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I'm struggling. I'm a little nervous about going back to school. Mm -hmm. I'm behind and I'm afraid they're going to ask things I don't know. And I don't want to look dumb. It's like, Hey man, can I pray for you? Like, I'm going to be praying for you this week. I'm going to come back around. I'm going to ask you next week. How you doing? Yeah. You know? And, but that took 21 weeks. Yeah. to get there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a long time, you know, but you know, you can do a lot with 10 people for 21 weeks. You can change the world. You know I mean? Oh, Jesus yeah. did 12 people for three years and changed yeah. eternity. Like, yeah. you know, if you had 12 people for three years, I mean, that's kind of our model. Yeah. Yeah, man. I love that. That's, and I think, you know, as, as leaders, we often, we overthink, we overcomplicate yeah. and it's like, man, let's just go out there. And the first person that we meet, like, let's just, just talk to them and get to know them, hear their yeah. story. And, and man, I, I'm glad you asked that Steven, uh, that question, because, because I think as some of our listeners are, are listening to this, they're gonna, they're hopefully going to pause in that moment, in this moment and say, I can do this. Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got God on my side. Mm, like yeah. if, if we go out these doors now, you know, if nothing else, Jesus is walking with us and empowering us to go reach somebody in some way. And, and I think you need patience. You need patience. Yeah. Like you said, because in, uh, in the, the world we live in, we like things immediately. Um, my family doesn't own a microwave and I, Sometimes I really love it, and sometimes <laughs> I just hate it. Yeah. But um, but something I've learned over these last uh, six to eight months is um, enjoying the process, enjoying mm. the process of seeing something start and come into fruition and, and finish into something amazing. Yeah. One of those things is meat. I love to smoke meat, and oh, yeah. and I, I love to see it go from here to there and enjoy it and the tastes and the flavors. Of, of cooking something for sometimes 16 hours. And, and so you have to have patience for that. And I think you, I hear that from, from you and your story and man, um, as we just kind of wrap up, I would just encourage anybody listening, um, enjoy the journey. 
I mean, yeah. you're you've taken the time and, and you get to know people and you're hearing their story. And if you if you are patient, if you are listening, God's going to give you the words. God's going to give you um, through the empowerment of his Holy Spirit to speak into those situations when when the time comes. Yeah. And like you shared with that young man, I mean, like you're right in those first couple of weeks, you're not going to have that influence in his life. And and who knows what the next six months are, man? Like yeah. he's going to come to a point in time and, and he's going to reach out to you and and be like, man, Josh, I need you, man. Like I need I need some help. And and then yeah. and then you gain more influence and, and, and in another six months. And who knows, dude, maybe like somebody on your worship team or, or serving in your church somehow, some way. And, and just yeah. really cool to see and hear how God's using that. So, uh, Stephen, you want to, um, I don't know, Josh, you have anything else to say? Uh, I guess my like parting thought is at yeah. the beginning of every love the block time, I ask everybody in the group, what, what unique thing do you think you bring to the table? And then how do you want to grow? And we go around in a circle because I think I've always wanted the people to be me. Like that was my idea. Like do this, do this. Mm-hmm. What I'm finding is like, sometimes people just, they just want to hold those grocery bags and that's going to change their life. And they're going to be there every week holding those grocery bags. They're, they, they're not going to go to a door. They're not going to knock on the door. And if I do that, if I push them, it's not right. And yeah. so I'm like, Hey, how, how has God gifted you? It's like, uh, someone will be like, I'll always be here, but I don't know how to speak Spanish. And mm. I can't do, please do not make me do that. How I'd like to grow. I'd like to knock on a door by the end of the group. Great. Yeah. And then halfway through, we just go, how are you doing on that? What do you think you bring now, now that you've done it? How would you like to grow? And I think yeah. if we were patient with people, I think more people would serve if they didn't feel afraid and they didn't feel that fear that they were not enough for what God wanted. I think people are going to listen to this. I think people are going to listen by outreach and they're going to think like, that's great for them, but I don't have what it takes. And I think my message to people will be like, A, you have the Holy Spirit, so you have what it takes. And B, like, God made you on purpose for a purpose. And, and he knew, he knew why he called you to that church pastors. He knows why you're called to that place. And you know what? Like just ask, okay, what do I bring to the table and how do I want to grow? And I think if you just be a little kind to yourself in that and be patient, like God, God will move in, you know, a cool way in that. In that yeah. Place. That's good, man. That's good. Steven, yeah. anything, man? No, no. Say, let's close in prayer, man. Amen. Yeah. Do it. Uh, Father, we just love you and praise you, Lord. And uh, Lord, sometimes we just work so hard at things, Lord. And often we find, Lord, if we just get out of the way, you've got this amazing plan, Lord. And we're just so thankful that you take great joy in utilizing us to fulfill your mission, Lord, which is just going after those that are in desperate need of you, Father. And I just pray for all of us and, and those listening, Lord, that that would be something that we constantly keep at the forefront of our minds, Lord. It's just, Lord, really defeating the enemy and his lies in our life that say that we're not enough, we're not good enough, we're not skilled to do this, or or we maybe won't uh, have the longevity to see it through, Lord, and just for our faith and confidence to be in you, Lord, knowing that you're going to take care of everything, Lord, and that you are just as excited about this journey as we are, Father. And um, we just love you and we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our hearts and lives, Lord, all the things we see and the many, many things we don't. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Awesome, Josh. Thanks thanks for joining us today. 
Um, for those listening, thanks for joining us on the Urban Connect podcast. Uh, if you like what you heard or if you didn't like what you heard, uh, hit the subscribe button, <laughs> share with your friends. Uh, we pray that today's uh, time would be a blessing to you and, and those in your circle of influence. So have a great day. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Thank you.